Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Well, good morning for all of you that were expecting Pastor Dave to uh, speak today and now see me up here and are experiencing disappointment. I apologize for that. If you want to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to move around a lot. And uh, I I don't know about you, uh, but for me, after uh, following Christ for almost 34 years, after praying for 34 years, after teaching on praying, after preaching on praying, uh, reading books on praying, I still find prayer to be a mystery. Uh, I don't get it. It's pretty simple, right? When you pray, you just uh, pour out your heart, and uh, that should be it, right? But there are so many other things that go into it that many times I just kind of wonder and uh, say, God, this, you're a mystery, Prayer is a mystery because I just don't get it. Because, you know, when we really want something, we don't get it. Or we're longing for something or we're aching for something and we, we want to see God move and there's just silence. And you just go, okay, uh, you don't not necessarily have to change the circumstances, but it would be nice to know that you know. You know what I mean? Like if you've ever gone through that dark night of the soul as you're sitting there and you're praying and you're asking for God to do something and you, you want to hear a voice or you want to experience some peace or you want something that just lets you know God knows and there's nothing, it brings us to this place of absolute mystery as to God, what is going on? What are you doing? This week, uh, I almost gave away my car for free. Now, I know you're all thinking, wow, what a generous guy. You are so nice. Uh, Well, let me tell you a little story behind that. My car has about 227,000 miles on it. If I wanted to get the car into good, fine running shape, it would probably cost another $3,000, which at this point, it's not really worth it. So if you're sitting there thinking I'm a really nice guy, I'm not. I just wanted to get rid of this car. But as I was coming home from prayer meeting on Wednesday night, and I was reflecting and thinking, this burden came on me. Because the morning beforehand, I had been at um, Duke of Oil, and I got the oil changed on the car. And the guy, I told him, listen, I'm, I'm getting rid of the car. I'm only going to have it for a little bit, so just oil change. It's all they want. It's got to make two months. I don't need anything else. So he comes back, and you know how they all do that. They come back, and he says, well, you know, that you need this for your car, and you need this for a car. And I said, trust me, in two months, I, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to pay the extra money for this. It's okay. He says, oh, you're getting rid of your car. Man, I need a car. Think you, think you want to sell it to me? And I was like, oh, man, I want to sell it to you. But you got to understand, there's probably about $3,500 worth of repairs because you have to get new tires too. And he's like, listen, I'm a mechanic. I'll cut down on the cost and everything. And I said, listen, I, I can't get rid of it yet. But when I do, you're the first person that I'll think about. So as I'm driving home from prayer meeting, I had this burden. And I said, God, I'd really just, I want to do something really cool. And uh, I want to honor you, which is really a nice thing to add in there when you're praying. And I just want to go back, and I want to go to the Duke of Oil, and I want to tell this guy, listen, uh, in the name of Jesus, I want to give you this car absolutely free. 
Because his boss was telling me, you know, he's, he's married, he's, they have a newborn, and uh, I just want to bless him. I just, I'm like, God, this is so cool. So, God, I, I, I'm just telling you, for the next 36 hours, I am waiting, I'm going to wait on you and hope that you give me enough for a down payment for a new car so I can give this car away for free. Okay, so it's Sunday, <laughs> and uh, I still have my car. <laughs> so... The mystery to me is like, I was so burdened, I was so sure that God was going to come through. And uh, I'm not going to say he didn't because I don't know what the idea is. Because my thinking is maybe the reason he didn't do this was because that car probably is not going to make 228000 It's going to break down. I'm going to give this guy a free car and he's going to end up in some bad neighborhood when it breaks down and the family's going to get robbed and all this other stuff. So, so, so to me, it's an absolute mystery as to, God, what, what's going on here? I'm praying with this burden, and yet there's no answer. Prayer is a mystery. I've been listening to a sermon series on prayer, and uh, I haven't really enjoyed it because it really hasn't has, has been what the pastor's used to doing, but it's really helping me think about a lot of things. So I want to share... Three things with you today. Three things that I hope will help you as you pray. And encourage you to pray. One of the questions that he asked in the midst of this is, how many of you have in one sitting sat down and prayed for an hour? Just prayed for an hour. Uh, I don't mean like an hour throughout the whole day. I mean just a straight up hour. Just anybody here, has anyone prayed for at least an hour. If you haven't, there's no shame. Like if you prayed 55 minutes, but you didn't pray an hour, I'm not going to go, you know, judge you. You didn't finish it off. Anybody, raise your hands. How many of you had that kind of experience? Okay, a good number of us. But there's a portion of us that haven't, which is okay because we learned. And, and he raised that because he wanted to say one of the things that really the church needs is to pray. And not just to pray quantity, but to pray quality, but to really actually be with God because it's in his presence that we're actually changed. And so here are some helps. If we can put up uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19. And uh, what I want to do, just to get this first point across, is I want us to read this together. So I know how when you start to read something, some people read faster than others, and then we try to catch up, or we try to slow down, and it gets a little messy. So instead of us doing it out loud... I'm just going to ask you right now, let's take about the 30 seconds or so that it's going to take us to get through this, and I'm going to sit down. Hopefully, I'll be able to get back up. You know how it is when you get older. And I want you to read this, okay? All right, 30 seconds. All right, everybody got it? All right, how many of you just realized you prayed? Or, I'll say, said a prayer. This is Paul's prayer. When you read this, you said a prayer. It was something he prayed, and then you just prayed it. Now, some of you might have read it and said, okay, I'm going to see if I can be the first one. Of course, nobody knows, but you might have been thinking that. A few of you might have been, I'm really going to try to take this in. But in the end, I want us to see, first of all, or at least understand, when God speaks to us, He wants us to know the difference between praying and saying prayers. Now, I'm not...
judging you, so please don't walk away judged. But my guess is that most of us simply read that, not really realizing the intensity of the prayer that you just read. You said a prayer. Anybody can say a prayer. You can take this home and every day this week you can read this and still not have prayed. That sounds crazy. But the reality is that most of us really know how to say prayers, but to really pray takes us to a different place. And so these three helps. The first one I find here is this. Prayer is primarily intended to be relational, not transactional. Prayer is intended to be relational, not transactional. As we read this prayer, and I'm going to read it out loud, this is what he writes. Verse 17. Let's get to the right place. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that your eyes the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Here's what I want us to see. When you look at this, what is Paul praying? Paul's not saying, dear Ephesian church, in the midst of your difficult situation, in the midst of all of your circumstances, my prayer is that you will stand strong. That comes later. My prayer is that you'll stand firm. But instead what he says and starts out with is, I pray that first and foremost of all things is that you will know God. I pray that you have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know him better. In other words, to know God. Your circumstances might not change, but to know God in the midst of your difficult circumstances is what Paul would say, I think, is bliss. In the sense that even when he's in prison, he can say, I know Christ. To die, great. To live, great. Because I know Christ. And I think one of the things that I like that Pastor Dave has been stressing lately, even in staff meetings, is that when we're talking about people being stuck in circumstances and not being able to get out of them, it's often that we get blinded. <coughs> we get blinded by our circumstances and we don't fully see Christ. And so Paul's prayer is, I really want you to understand as I pray for you, I want you to get the relationship, not the transaction. I want you to know God better. So that even though nothing changes, you can still experience God. Which again goes back to the mystery of prayer, doesn't it? Because of that silence, that desert that sometimes we walk through. With the only thing that we have in mind is trusting that God is with us. Our theology sometimes carries us through that. But he goes on, he says, not only that do I want you to know him better, but I want you to know what's happened in Christ. So he goes here, listen. I pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. But I also pray that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might know the hope of what, that which he has called you, the riches of the inglorious inheritance in the saints. In other words, I don't want you to just know God. I want you to know what God has done. And I want you to know what God will do because right now you're in the mess. I mean, you're in the pigsty. You're in the poop pit whatever you want to call it, but you're there and you feel like there's no way to get out. But he's praying not for them to get out of their circumstances, but that in the midst of their circumstances, that they might actually see what God has done for them in Christ 
and what God will do for them in Christ when it's all said and done, when they stand before God in glory. So, so what Paul is going is, listen, prayer is really a lot about relationship. Your relationship with God. But the cool thing is, he doesn't leave it there. It's also about the transaction. He finishes off. He says this, that you might know his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. So prayer is relational. It's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's primarily relational. It's not just transactional. How many of you are like me when you pray, man? You just get down to business. You know what I mean? Like when you pray, okay, God, here's the needs. You need a new car, you pray for a new car. You need to do this, you pray for that. You need this, you need, you pray, and you just get down to business and you just go through your list and it's as though you're talking to God and you're trying to come to this place where a transaction happens, where something happens in your life, which is why we get so frustrated with prayer because God doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer, let alone in the time that we want him to answer. Because our perspective is prayer is really transactional and we get confused Because as you read all through scripture, what does God say? Call to me. You want to know how to pray? Do this. Keep praying. Constantly pray. Ask, you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. You know, there's always that call. And so for us, we grasp onto that transaction and expect God to do something, not realizing that transaction is a part of it. God does want to answer. He does want to answer that yes. He does want to bring deliverance. He does want to bring freedom. But first and foremost of all, he wants to bring us to him. And I think when we begin to relate like that, we begin to understand much better. And I think parents understand this as well. How many of you as parents have ever had this experience where your son or your daughter comes up to you and they're really nice? And you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Here it comes, man. And they go, Mom or Dad, I'd really like this. You know what's going on. To them, it's a transaction. And that's the crazy thing is, I think we do that to God too. I, I know I do. It's like, okay, God, you are good. God, you are Father. God, you are sovereign. God, you are loving. And now let me tell you, can I have this? You know what I mean? And that's how we think prayer works. But God's invitation, God's, God's call is, call unto me, and I'm going to show you some stuff. But I first want to show you me. I want you to experience me. I want you to understand me. So I think what would really help us as we pray is to understand that prayer is primarily intended to be relational and not transactional. Do you get that? It's relational. And it's irksome that sometimes God wants it just to be relational because I want my answer and I want it now. But God knows better. Like, I really don't know why I had that burden. I really don't know why things didn't fall into place like I wanted them to, but they didn't because there's a reason. Who knows? That guy could be driving a BMW right now because somebody else gave him a gift. You know what I mean? And he would have gotten my car. Prayer is a mystery. Second thing. This is a pastoral thing, so just kind of pay attention to this. Passionate prayer produces power. Alliteration. I haven't done that in so long. Kind of just felt like I had to do it. But passionate prayer produces power. Let me say it how I would really want to say it. In other words, God, when you pray, would say this. When you pray, don't be afraid to pray with emotion. When you pray, 
Don't be afraid to pray with emotion. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Verses 21 through 23. Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 23. When you pray, don't be afraid to pray with emotion. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. One of the synagogue rulers, named Jairus, came there, seeing Jesus He fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. When you pray, don't be afraid to pray with emotion. See, the situation here is this. Jairus has a daughter who's going to die. And it's just like, it's a matter of days in their mind. And uh, he's a religious leader. And Jesus comes to his neighborhood, and uh, I can picture when he hears about it, he thinks, I need to see Jesus. I may not be a full follower of Jesus, but I I need to see Jesus because I know that he heals. And so when he comes and he sees Jesus, and he sees him, it's it's a beach scene in a sense. And when he sees Jesus, he doesn't come up to Jesus like I would come up to Luke and say, Hey Luke, how's your day? How was soccer yesterday? Just good, is it? No, that's not like that. That's the kind. What he what he does is he comes up to Jesus and he falls at his feet. So if you can picture a man like me, maybe older, maybe not, but he gets right at the feet of Jesus and he says, "Jesus, please, I need you to heal my daughter." Because if you've ever had a sick kid, you understand the emotion of it, right? And if you ever get to that place, and heaven forbid that you would ever get there, though you might. When you're about to lose someone that you love so much, there's a passion that is there. He's not saying, hey, Jesus, you know, I know you got nothing else to do. You're kind of a busy guy, but if you got some time, can you kind of sort of maybe just come to my house? Maybe we'll have a little dinner. And hey, while you're there, can you hear my daughter? No, he is anxious. He is desperate. And the one thing that I see through Scripture that a lot of us miss out on is that desperation when we come to God and we pray. It's okay to pray with emotion. Now, some of you might be freaking out because you're thinking, man, I I grew up. If you're Korean, you understand what I'm saying This when I say this? I grew up in the Korean school of prayer. Okay? Now, some of you 1.5ers are thinking, what does that mean? And anyone who isn't Korean is going, I have no idea what he's going to say, but here's what God was. It's a prayer meeting where you get on your knees and you start banging. Chuya! Chuya! You know what I mean? And I'm not doing that to be humorous, but that's what I grew up in. And I once went to a church and I led a prayer meeting and this girl literally came up to me and said, man, your prayer meetings, they're weird. Because there's no screaming. The first prayer meeting that I went to at a church, a Korean church, it was crazy. People were shouting. There was a guy in front, Lord, Lord, and someone else saying the same thing in back. And I feel like they were competing, you know, because the one guy would get louder and then the other guy would get louder. And so when I heard that, I'm freaking out because I'm thinking, man, that is like, that's just too much. But there's desperation there. It's a desperation that says, I need you, God. I need you. And this father is desperate. He's desperate. His only solution is Jesus. And so he's not coming up to Jesus and going, hey, you know, uh, 
He's desperate. And I think that's missing in a lot of the ways that we pray. I'm not calling for emotionalism. Because can you imagine every time you come to pray, it's all about that? Right? My son Dan comes home from school, and he walks in the door and he goes, Dad, it's awesome! Let me tell you the bus ride that I took. Oh, it's just so good. I mean, being on the CTA is awesome, but the metro is even better. The seats are comfortable. I just love it. How was your week, Dad? Could you imagine having that conversation 24-7? I'm not making a call for emotionalism. I'm making what I believe God says. When you pray, it's okay to pray with emotion. All through Scripture, there's so much emotion that people realize we are desperate, man. We need God. And so as I'm reading and listening to what this guy's saying about prayer, all I'm seeing is this real sense, this real sense of a hungering and a pouring out for God to do something. Because God, if you don't do something, then nothing really is going to happen. I picture Abraham interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah. Not just saying, oh, you know, God, what if, what if, but saying, God, please, please, spare these people. I think of Nehemiah when he heard the news about Jerusalem, and he's weeping. A grown man weeping because people he really doesn't know are in distress. I think of Hannah pouring out her heart and saying, give me a child. Jairus here, the woman in Jesus' parable when she's looking for justice is saying what? Oh, can you help me? No, please give me justice. All through scripture, that sense, that burden, that desire, Jehoshaphat, when the, when the enemy's coming to surround Jerusalem, he says, we're crying out to God. In Jeremiah 33, when God says, call to me, he doesn't say, pick up your cell phone and say, hey dude, what's up? He says, call to me. Cry out to me. That's the invitation. See, what helps us when we pray is that we realize that it's primarily intended to be relational and not transactional. And then in the midst of all that, we should not be afraid to pray with emotion. Here's the thing, though. Do we? I'm not saying that to judge you, but is there a real emotion? Is there a real passion that says, God, if I don't have this, if I don't have this, if I don't have this, something's missing. That cry that says, God, if I don't have you. That's why I like Paul's prayer, because he's saying, listen, please listen, pray this. Pray that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you might know him better. It does not, unfortunately, mean that our circumstances are going to change. I wish I could tell you that if you prayed intentionally and relationally and emotionally, that God will change your circumstances. If you have heard that today, throw it out. Because the absolute mystery of God is even in our passion, sometimes God does not answer the way that we expect him to. And if I were into swearing, I'd say something like that, you know what, but I will just say that stinks. It doesn't seem right. Why is it Mr. So-and-so, who doesn't follow God, who doesn't care about God, is so blessed 
And me, I'm trying. And I promise to pray more in order to know you more. And I'm taking these helps and I'm walking with them. But at the end of it, what do I have? I'm still in the same place. It's a mystery. But still, God calls us to relate to him as a person. To relate to him in a way that's not, I'm just here to get something from you. I don't know, somebody asked me a weird question. Um, But it made me realize that uh, when I pastor, I'm always texting or calling or emailing people to see how they're doing. And uh, I realized, you know what, I, I don't think, I can't remember the last time someone called me up and said, hey man, and please don't, you, know, you don't have to give 300 phone calls this week. I mean, I don't want you to think I'm insecure and I, I feel horrible and stuff like that. But, hey, how you doing? So even like Arthur yesterday, is we're sitting around at the, at, uh, after youth group, and he says, hey, so how are you? I was like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Where'd that come from? People don't ask me that question. You know what I mean? Uh, and so to me, it's, it's kind of like that sense of, God wants to relate to us in prayer. He wants emotion to be there in prayer. But it's not about this transaction. It's, it's getting to a place where actually you enter into relationship as you pray. And the transaction is the extra benefit that you get. And to me, realizing that I just love to see what's going on in people's lives. I don't really enjoy talking about myself as much. And so for me, I'm okay with that. So please, again, don't do a lot of calling and texting. But what I am saying is this. It made me realize that's what a lot of our prayers like with God. God, can I have this? Can I have that? Can I have this? With a sprinkling of, I love you, Dad. Thanks. Prayer, it's okay to pray with emotion. Let me finish with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. One last point, I'm sorry. You want to turn there in the Old Testament? Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2. This is what Solomon writes. He says, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Go near to listen. Go there to listen. Rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. Does anyone remember that song? That was a good song. Here's the point of what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying. If God were to speak to us, he would say prayer takes time and thought. Prayer takes time and thought. Think of Abraham. For 25 years, he's waiting. God made a promise. He said, you will have a son, and he will become a great nation. Cool. One year passes, two year passes, three years, five years, ten years, 25 years. After 25 years, don't you think you feel like you'd say, you know what, forget this. But prayer takes time and thought. Nehemiah, when he wept and prayed for Jerusalem, it took him four months to finally figure out, after listening to God, What is it that God really wanted him to do? I don't like to wait. And I think most of us here don't like to wait, right? How many of you own a microwave? Right? It's proof positive. You don't like to wait. 
And how many of you have those little one-minute bowls of rice? Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Those of you that are laughing right now, you know, because everything has got to be quick. We get frustrated. We get frustrated by slowness. Slowing down bothers us. It's not productive. It's not efficient. It's not effective. And God says, yes, it is in prayer. You just can't run up to God and say, God, this is it, man. I know, I know. And I can't tell you how many times I have asked for something that I really feel that God should have given to realize much later that if I had gotten what I'd asked for, it would not have been good for me. Prayer takes time and thought to slow down and say, God, really, I just want to know you. And I do have an agenda, but let's put that on the side. Because I just want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to know your mind. I want to be like you when I pray. So that when I get up off my knees, that I can actually say that I have experienced you. Sometimes it's absolute silence, but I want to know you. That takes time. Husbands and wives... How many of you had this experience? And hopefully no one did, but um, just kind of, uh, how do I put this? Where's, where's, where's my wife? Okay, she's hiding him back over there. So if you remember some 30 years ago, uh, when I saw you, did I come up to you and say, you, you're mine, babe. Let's go. Drag her by the hair like the caveman did. No, it took time. It took time. It took thought. Now, she might think I'm not as thoughtful as I used to be, which is in part true, But it takes time. Prayer takes time and thought because relationship takes time and thought. And when you're asking for something, it takes time and thought because just asking is not really praying. It's just saying a prayer. And so the call that Solomon here says is listen. When you enter into the presence of God, listen. Man, that's tough. Because I don't want to listen. I just, I tell God often, listen. Okay, that's really kind of weird. I'm telling him to listen. But I do it. Listen, let's just do this and get it over with so we can move on to the next thing. And he's like, stop. Listen. This is relationship. I want to, I want to, I mean, I want to know my kids. I, I mean, I really want to know my kids. So my, I'm always asking them. Not all of them answer me when I want to get to know them more. That's my heartbeat. And, and I am convinced from Scripture that's God's heartbeat too. Listen. I want, to, I want to tell you great things. I really do. I want to answer. I really do. You're not going to like the answer sometimes. Maybe many times you're not going to like the answer. But listen. Listen. And that's hard. Because how do you know it's really God? See, even driving home on Wednesday, I was convinced this is one cool thing. This is the gospel lived, man. This guy's going to fall on his knees at the Duke of Oil and say, I believe in Jesus because I'm giving him this free car and helping out his family. But there's no answer. Listen. Let me say this. 
if you're too busy to pray, then you're doing something God doesn't want you to do. That's it. I'm going to challenge you today. I love it when people go, brother, you don't understand. I am busy. I can't, I can't get to it. Tell that to your spouse. Tell that to your kids for the next 30 years. Too busy for you. Ain't got time. And when you're lying on your deathbed, you're going to go, man, I am so glad I was efficient. I am so glad I was effective, right? I'm so glad I didn't spend time with my family. I am so glad they did not act like a ball and chain, keeping me anchored from finding success and greatness and wealth. How many people say that? So when you tell me or anyone else and say, man, I am too busy, I just can't seem to find the time, I tell you that you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing something. You're doing something that God does not want you to do because God will never say, hey, you are my child, but I ain't got time for you. So how do we get this applied? I'm going to give you a couple things. This is something that's really helped me. Everyone here have your cell phone with you? How many of you have a timer on there? Right? We all have a timer. That's a, it's a rhetorical question. You're all supposed to say, we all do. Don't you know anything about technology? You old people, get with it, man. No, you all have a timer. So here's what I'm doing. This is what's really helped me. When I pray now, I get on my knees because posture is important. Because I used to sit. Isn't that a great prayer posture, sitting? No, it's horrible. I get on my knees and I set my timer for a certain amount of time. And I pray for that time. And I say, I will stay here until that time ends. I'm not leaving. I will stay here until that time. Now, you can start out with five minutes. I'm cool with that. But don't stay at five minutes. Start at five minutes. And just enter into seeking God. On your knees. Don't lie on your bed. Pastor Pillow and Reverend Sheets will not be your good accountability partners. You understand that? Get on your knees. Lie prostrate. I don't, whatever it is. Change your posture and then pray like this. One, Lord, you are worthy. And Lord, I am needy. Which means when you get on your knees, you can just, whenever you read that scripture passage and you look at it and say, who is God in this? Who has God revealed himself to be? And if God has provided something, you can say, God, I am so grateful you are a provider. You have provided this. You have provided that. You have provided this. I am so great. God, you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be thanked. And that might take a minute. Let's just say, just for you to start, it takes a minute. And then just say, God, in light of that, here's what I'm asking. And say, Lord, I am needy. I need this. I'm willing to hear your what you're going to say if I need it or not. But I just know right now, Lord, you are worthy. Lord, I am needy. If that takes two minutes... Just like when you shampoo in the morning, rinse and repeat. Do it again. Say those same things over again. I mean, turn to your spouse or turn to your kids, and, and some kids will not look at it. But if you kept telling them every day, I love you, man. I love you. How many of you would hate to hear that every day? Do you hate to hear that? Your husband comes home and says, Katie, I love you, man. Well, you know what I mean. I, 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 he says this to me all the time, of course, you're right. And you, Would you get tired of that? I, I sit there and, and I think to myself, I just, like I told you last week, I love to get home and hear my, my, my two youngest be happy. And I'm afraid when that ends, I'm going to grieve even more. Because my three oldest are kind of like in that, you know. And uh, 
Just keep saying it. God, I, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. I am needy. I'm going to tell you, I think within under a week, you'll say five minutes is not enough. Put it up. Six minutes. Seven minutes. Eight minutes. Ten minutes. Fifteen minutes. It's going to get hard sometimes. And I cannot guarantee you'll walk away feeling God every time. Because it's a mystery. I don't understand God why he doesn't do that. But I'm saying this. If you come to God seeking relationship with God and the transaction is an extra benefit, a cool thing about seeking God in his face, that's good. And if you come with emotion, I mean, I don't know how you cannot come with emotion when you pray and you begin to experience that emotion and begin to pour out your heart. How can you not want to do that more? And in all these things... All they are is helps. So here's the last thing I'm going to ask you to do. Not just get on your knees. Not just pray, Lord, you are worthy. And Lord, I am needy. But to actually get someone who will look you right in the face and who say, are you praying? And what are you praying for? And if they go, yeah, then you get back in their face and say, then let's pray right now. Let's take the time to do that, you and me. Because I want you to know God. Because that's my prayer. Isn't that Paul's prayer? That you may know him better. So get somebody. Because you know, accountability is a good thing. To have somebody actually say, is this what you're doing? I'm tired of me saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and years go by. I think it's time for us as a challenge to stand next to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ and say, you have said this. Are you doing it? You seek to pray more? You want to know God more? Let's make it happen. Let's do it. Let's pray. As, as the worship team comes up, here's what I want us to do. This is going to be uh, awkward for some of you. I'm going to ask you, even if we have to push the chairs out a little bit, you're not supposed to do this in church. Thank God we don't have pews. But I'm going to ask you, if you can, to actually get on your knees. And I'd like us to spend five minutes to just pray. You heard me talk a lot. Blah, 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 blah. Now I'm going to ask you to... St- talk or listen but for five minutes I don't even want you to think about the time I don't want you to set your timer on your clock I just want you to change your posture if you can't get on your knees and some of you can't don't be looking around and saying hey you know what that 17 year old kid isn't on their knees why not don't worry about them worry about you just get on your knees Lord you are worthy Spend some time saying, Lord, you're worthy. Start thanking him for all the things that you have. If you want, you can continue to pray like that before we sing. I just want to say I can guarantee you nothing. I can't promise how God's going to respond to when you're praying. But I want to say, If I understand God and if I understand his word, his call is to bring us to him. And it will be hard 
his silence is difficult. Sometimes his answers are the opposite of what we want. But I want to encourage you that one day, as we work through all of that, like Paul, to get to that place where we can say, I just want Jesus. I just want more of you. I don't like this pain. I don't like this dark valley. I don't like this. I don't like that. But it's something more of Jesus. I'll be honest with you. I live in fear, like I told you last week. And this week, three instances of people my age who died of a heart attack scares me incredibly. I think of getting up and I'm grateful, but I'm afraid that one day as I think about my wife and my kids, that I won't be around. And I'm afraid that it'll be soon or sooner than I want. I want to encourage us, even myself, the call of God is to be with Him. We're going to continue in prayer, but prayer through worship as our worship team uh, sings a few songs for us as we close out service. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.